1: Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. On today's show, and this serves as a heads up as much as anything, we're going to be talking about child labor. Often on the show, we have an article or something that serves as the impetus for how we're going to approach a given topic. And unfortunately, this is a topic where we had to choose from several articles in the news in recent weeks. and Some of them go into some pretty unpleasant details about the reality of child labor in the United States. So if that's a topic you'd rather avoid, we get it. This is not going to be a fun one. The place we're going to start at any rate is with the efforts underway by Republicans in a number of state legislatures to loosen the restrictions that currently exist around child labor. Um, generally, there are like people who are too young to work in any sort of setting, and then there's a class of teenagers who are allowed to work only during certain hours so as not to interfere with their school lives and everything else that we expect from teenagers. And in recent months, we've seen multiple states try and widen the hours in which that group is allowed to work and try and effectively make it easier for companies to employ children. I told you it wasn't going to be fun. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is this is the, the starting off point. Uh, yeah, the, I guess, motivating factor behind all of this legislation is to loosen the... Um, available or or widen the available labor pool so that uh, low wage jobs have a bigger labor pool from which to hunt and fish and, and do all sorts of really exploitative things. Because there is a crisis in our country, in part because so many people died from COVID, where a lot of these low paid jobs, where people died in large numbers um they don't have anybody to work these jobs anymore and everybody's you know nobody wants to do it which i don't blame them because we're talking like meat packing plants and and factory work which is we've talked about is 12 hour shifts seven days a week um not good shifts so the idea is to get more people in these shifts to do that we don't think that's the way forward just on here. I'm punching out. I I'd say I'm speaking for the group. Um, I think there are other ways to do that than recruiting the, t- the, you know, tweens to work the front lines, but that's just me.
3: I think by definition, if you're working for a living, you're not a tween at that point. The, the tweenhood, I think requires a certain amount of security from
1: yeah uh, that it, you topic. have to be able to visit a mall to be a t- tween I, I feel like that's a requirement
3: i thought we were saying this wasn't going to be a fun one but <laughs> i wanted i wanted to take issue i can't believe i'm doing this but right after you spoke with the group for the group blue i have to take issue with one thing each of you said number one ryan in at least one state it is not just Republicans, because as uh, your article told us, well, not your article, you're going to write it, but one of these articles, uh, this is from the Ohio Capitol Journal. It is from March 3rd, called Child Labor Hours Could Change Under Ohio Senate Bill. A bill to allow children to work later hours was passed through an Ohio Senate committee Thursday with bipartisan support. This one specifically makes it normally in Ohio. You can't make kids work past uh, 9 p.m. I think it is or until 9 p.m. Um, during the school year, this bill gets rid of that change in requirement. In Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, wonder how she got to be governor with that last name. Sure, it has nothing to do with anything. She assigned into law a, it repeals the requirement to notify the parents and to require them to sign a permit to allow kids that are 14 and 15, I think it is, to work. It might be uh, up to 16. Either way, parents don't need to be notified anymore. Notably, even the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce was against that bill. So when when you're at the point that you've lost the Chamber of Commerce in your attempt to widen the available labor pool, you've messed up. And then on the other side of things, Lou, you mentioned that there's a worker shortage. But again, we've been saying this for two years. This is the official punching out line. That is not the case. There is no worker shortage. What there is is a pay shortage. What there is is a shortage of good working conditions. Yes, these jobs suck. But the reason that these jobs suck is because they are there to scare people who do frankly, in a lot of cases, less meaningful, productive jobs into not complaining at their workplaces because they could be the ones having parts of their scalps ripped off by, you know, packing machines or losing hands like they were cane cutters in the early 19th century. Like, these are terrible jobs that are paid, I don't really know what the verb is, the environment is like the opposite of what it needs to be for these jobs to be worth working at. And so, obviously, nobody's going to want to do it. Nobody's, like, you know, waking up every day being like, I want to go operate a head splitter, which is a machine I just learned exists. So the way that we have to do it is to find what's the most disadvantaged population and and stick it on them. And turns out that we want that to be kids. Um, one last thing that I want to say, and and then I'll recede. But what strikes me about this is that For years now, the complaint about why the minimum wage shouldn't be higher has been that these are entry-level jobs, that these are supposed to be the first jobs of children entering the workforce. And we know that's not the case. So what they're doing now by loosening child labor restrictions is essentially trying to create a fantasy, like rebuild the society that they think exists that's not true, that never existed outside of like, leave it to beaver. Or Archie comics, you know, when we all went around with grill marks in our hair that's what they're trying to create here, and well, so far they're proving quite successful at it,
1: yeah, we've talked about child labor in the past I'm punching out, I think most notably in the context of chipotle's uh Was it like a hundred violations of child labor law that they had committed and were penalized to the tune of, you know, some pittance for Chipotle's budget subway, I, I think may have come up once or twice. These sorts of restaurants are where you see a lot of child labor violations, a lot of teenagers being asked to work hours during which they should ostensibly be at school or, you know, what have you, because... Restaurants are an industry full of, you know, exploitation and just skirting the rules in general. That's, you know, an industry ripe for this, unfortunately. Um, The other state that is in the news lately, in addition to Ohio and Arkansas, is – iowa uh, the washington post notes that a bill advancing in iowa would allow 14 and 15 year olds to work certain jobs in meatpacking plants and would shield businesses from civil liability if a youth worker is sickened injured or killed on the job which is one that's not a restaurant that's not a fast food environment that is it's a meatpacking plant it's An incredibly dangerous job more so during the pandemic and it's one and they're stripping away the like small pittance of requirements that you actually might be held accountable if someone gets hurt doing this it's an incredible one-two punch um which is maybe even like the most galling out of all three of these
2: yeah, the fact that we're going to say that you cannot ha- suffer consequences as a company for, one, using a teenager. I'm sorry, these are like 12 and 13 year olds or in, in some cases. Like these are, are very s- small children. These are prepubescent kids in some cases um, who are working a very dangerous job. And you're saying that you don't have to suffer any consequences because... The people in power who will never, and let's be honest, never have to work these jobs themselves, I said so. That's it. And that is such a cop-out to an absurd degree to say that we wash our hands of this. This is a personal responsibility for somebody who otherwise has no legal rights. They don't. And we can look at what's going on in Florida and Texas and so many other states as far as uh, trans rights and uh, LGBTQ issues and, and uh, the ability to learn actual facts in your school from curriculum adjustments to, to see that these children have no rights and we understand that to be the case. And we have made it so that the only decisions that can be made are by the patriarchal bad words in charge. And it it's such a rigged awful system that we have put found ourselves in. And it's yeah. it's appalling.
3: In in one of the articles it mentions that a teacher in Grand Rapids, I think it is, is is ironically teaching a lesson on Jacob Reese, who was one of the uh was a, a muck raking journalist who was one of the driving forces behind child labor laws. And uh, that which are laws against child labor, to be clear, unlike these, which are laws that are in favor of child labor. And most of his students appear completely uninterested. And of course they would be. A lot of them are currently living in a society that basically treats all of that like it didn't happen. We have a, a country that has elected to place parents, corporations, And individual billionaires above everyone else. And speaking, I've never regretted our running bit of making me senior teen correspondent more than on this episode. Because (laughs) one of the things that most angers me about my job is that I work with kids who will never face this kind of insecurity. I teach kids who are lucky enough to not have to do this. And let me tell you what's going to happen the more we allow laws like this to take place. I, unfortunately, we are bound by you know, not being able to do calls to action. But the fact is that the longer this is allowed to happen, the longer we allow Republican federal administrations and Republican governors and Republican and Democratic legislators to get away with weakening protections on children what's going to happen is you're going to make an even more two-tiered education system than we already have. You're going to end up with a bunch of kids who have to go to work and can barely keep their head up while they're at school. And that's assuming that nothing horrible happens to them when you know the machinery they're using breaks down or worse, works as design. It's not like we don't have examples of this in history. I'm from a place where you can, and I'm pretty sure you can do this in the United States, you can visit. A sugar cane plantation. You can see the axes that were used to cut people's limbs off if they fell in the wrong machine. This is not new information. And even when we're even when we're still allowed to teach it in schools, it doesn't matter because it's obvious that it didn't have an impact. It doesn't anymore. We all think we're so far away from the days of sticking a kid down the mine as a human canary that we think it's perfectly fine. To just go back to this. And then you're going to have, and then meanwhile, middle class and rich kids are going to still go around complaining about how much work they have to do. When what they mean is they have to go do a bunch of sports practices, do some co curriculars, then go home and do their homework, which we're all getting rid of because we agree that it's a good idea to do that. But what they're complaining about is not going to be on the same planet as what other kids have to deal with. One of the reasons I've said before that I'm okay doing this is because everyone should have access to what my kids have access to. And I want to see what that looks like. I want to see what a well-resourced, well-supported school that cares about its kids on every level looks like. But the fact is that we are reducing the amount of children for whom that is possible. And that is, if anything, what most gets the blood up for me. These are kids who... Like, I can't believe I have to say this sentence. These kids deserve so much better. And they're going to instead end up like being symbols in a New York Times article or in somebody's college essay because of a community service opportunity or some crap like that. We should all be ashamed. Which I I know is, is not on vogue to say that because that's an individual reaction. But frankly, sometimes... Shame is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Um, To your point about this sort of creating a two-tier education system, there's a um, a statistic I came across in researching for this episode. Uh, It's from an article in prospect.org, which is from last October about uh, headline, the conservative AstroTurf organization rolling back child labor protections. And it describes a, Uh, Lobbying group, uh, sort of similar to the NRA that we discussed a couple weeks ago, uh, which lobbies on behalf of restaurants. This one is the National Federation of Independent Business, which um, has taken up the mantle of rolling back child labor protections uh, across the country in bills like this. At any rate, the statistic I've mentioned um, comes from this article, quote, a 2011 study published in the journal Child Development found that teenagers who work more than 20 hours per week during the school year may, as a result, face poor school performance and loss of interest in class alongside behavioral problems. So you're really undercutting these children's ability to learn when you are asking them to work extra hours. Um, The Ohio bill would extend the hours they're allowed to work uh, up to 9 p.m., whereas currently they are limited to 7 p.m. by federal labor law. This is not a bill for the betterment of children unless you want children who are only capable of working in fast food restaurants unless that is your idea of a society where some children are just slotted into a life of restaurant work and others are allowed to pursue their actual dreams pursue the things that are possible through education because i think it's worth quoting the advocates for this sort of stuff um there's a few lines in the Ohio Capital Journal article about the bill in Ohio, and which just sort of lays bare how hollow these people are, I feel. Yeah, none of
3: these people will ever see heaven.
1: To quote from the article, State Senator Bill Reinecke, Republican from Tiffin, did not object to the amendment, but said parental guidance isn't always a good thing when it comes to children working. Quote, I am concerned about that in the long term. Those kids who really want to do something with their lives, want to get a job, can still do it, even if they can't get their parents to cooperate with them. Which, like, what reality?
3: Yeah. First time a Republicans wanted a kid to be able to do something without their parents' guidance.
1: Uh, continuing from the article, uh, and this is just two on the nose, a Dairy Queen franchisee, Michael Todd, testified in support of the bill this week, saying many of the applications he receives are from the age group targeted by the bill. He called the bill a rare win-win-win. By giving Ohio's 14 and 15-year-olds the choice to work until 9 p.m. during the school year, you give Ohio's businesses a larger pool to provide jobs.
2: I think, Part of the problem is, you know, and why we're struggling to articulate how like vile this is in in many ways is because it's so obvious on every surface how ridiculous it is and how contradictory, given everything else we're hearing about children's safety and uh, the, the protection of youth and minors. And, and letting kids be kids, and not letting them attend gra- drag shows and everything like that. It's so obviously false, and and it, it it's infuriating. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why you know we're start, like I'm struggling putting together a sentence in this because it's just so infuriating.
1: There's a bit of the problem that like late night comedy shows faced during the Trump era of like, what do you do to parrot? this you know what do you say you know how do you make this funnier than it is on its face and here we have the issue of you know what, what do we say that you don't already understand as a listener of punching out
3: maybe this to them there's no hypocrisy in saying in parroting the lines about grooming and children's safety and all of this while also wanting this to happen because it's not their kids at stake That's the thing that I think a lot of people don't get because uh, in one of the other articles, the one talking about efforts in, I think it's California, to change the regulations around agricultural child labor, which is, again, none of this is new information. We've known this for hundreds of years, but one of the things they mention is – Oh, if you regulate this, if you regulate agricultural child labor, it wouldn't allow children to help out on the family farm or use a flashlight, you know, around their own house kind of thing. And it's, it's always painted as this absurd thing where it's, oh, I just want my kid to help me on my job. What, you're not going to let me do bring my kid to work day? That's the problem. But no, what they mean is these, <laughs> these people are not going to have their kid working for them As one of the people working the deep fryer or the, you know, the the brisket saw or any of these other machines, those kids are going to be fast track for management positions. If they're working there at all, they're going to be on the, the royal road to life. This is for black and Hispanic kids and Asian kids and Pacific Islander kids and Native American kids who are already not even close to being served by the social institutions that we have in this country but the most important thing is none of these people care about them they they could not care less what happens to any of these kids to their kids they're worried oh my kid might decide one day that you know uh they they might decide to tell me that they don't identify as the gender that i assigned them at birth or that they might decide that they you know love people of the same sex as them or um you know they they might turn out to be more okay with people of other races than i am so this is a very personal thing to them all of these crusades around children are basically based on i want to protect my kids from the outside world all of these other kids well you know they shouldn't be here if they wanted to be better they should have been born white
1: to sort of end this segment, there's a, another detail in this article uh, about Ohio's bill that sort of gets at the falsehood. This is all based on it notes that, um, Quote, the resolution argued the need for the change based on job losses from the COVID 19 pandemic and the ongoing staffing shortages. Ohio, the resolution states, lost nearly 900,000 jobs as of April 2020 and still has 105,000 jobs to recover. But it seems to me that that indicates a jobs shortage, not a worker shortage. That's the opposite problem. The whole argument for these bills and these changes to child labor laws has been, there aren't enough workers, but what the bill actually describes is an issue where there aren't enough jobs, which is an entirely different problem. You should be wary about these companies claiming a labor shortage or claiming, you know, X, Y, and Z reason for why these changes are necessary, because- They are companies, and they are going to lie, and it benefits them. We're going to wrap up this segment here, and when we come back, we will talk about the child labor that is happening already, regardless of what the law says. We'll be back.
0: You are listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.
1: Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Still high, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. In our first segment, we talked about the efforts underway in a few states uh, with Republican governors, Ohio, Arkansas, and Iowa was the third one to loosen up their respective child labor laws. I should note, those are this year's batch of states doing it. Um, Did see an article from last year that noted also attempts in Wisconsin, where it was vetoed by the governor, and New Jersey, where it was not, um, to do very similar things. That first segment was a bummer, and this segment's going to be worse, so just brace yourself. I'm going to be talking a bit about the – children who are already working, you know, against the existing child labor laws and just the ways in which this country has eaten them up and spit them out. There's a, an article in the New York times, uh headline alone and exploited migrant children work brutal jobs across the U S which is exactly what that headline tells you. It is, um, to a quote from the article because I don't think anything else will do it justice. It was almost midnight in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but inside the factory, everything was bright. A conveyor belt carried bags of Cheerios past a cluster of young workers. One was 15-year-old Carolina Yolk, who came to the United States on her own last year to live with a relative she had never met. About every 10 seconds, she stuffed a sealed plastic bag of cereal into a passing yellow carton. It could be dangerous work, with fast-moving pulleys and gears that had torn off fingers and ripped up in a woman's scalp. The factory was full of underage workers like Carolina, who had crossed the southern border by themselves and were now spending late hours bent over hazardous machinery in violation of child labor laws. At nearby plants, other children were tending giant ovens to make Chewy and Nature Valley granola bars, and packing bags of Lucky Charms and Cheetos, all of them working for the processing giant Hearthside Food Solutions, which would ship these products around the country. So, we established in the first segment we do have restrictions against children working, you know, late into the night and working especially dangerous jobs, but nevertheless. The law does not mean that there won't be lawbreakers. And in this case, companies are feigning ignorance, but we can assume that they know what they're doing by employing teenagers from Guatemala or what have you. They are picking a crop of workers who they know are especially vulnerable and don't have better options available to them because of their situation they might find themselves in
3: yeah these are um for the most part these are underage these are children and i feel like it's important to keep saying these are children because a lot of the time even i think well meaning people kind of fall into a trap of saying underage workers because they maybe think that'll have a bigger impact but honestly this is a country that's obsessed with protecting like we said in the last segment certain kids these are kids For the most part, they have gone through the Office of Refugee Resettlement Program under Health and Human Services, which is supposed to place them with sponsors who will make sure that they go to school. Uh, They are not allowed to make them work, I think, beyond a certain amount. They're supposed to provide detailed case reports. They're supposed to be follow-ups. But as we know in the United States, enforcement is the nine-tenths of the law that never happens. And so what we've got is instead a... An agency that is vastly overworked with the cases that they have to deal with doesn't have enough funding, and frankly, a lot of the time a lot of its people don't care um and and they're they're encouraged to just process cases as quickly as possible because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the rest of these Democrats who want to be president need to not have a bunch of immigrants that can be pointed to as a danger as a there goes the neighborhood kind of thing for Uh, the right wing in this country so what you end up with is kids being placed with people they barely know with uh if if they know them at all if they've ever met them uh with people who will take advantage of them who will exploit them who will hold them in indentured servitude putting them in debt for things like rent and food and clothing who will prevent them from going to school who will make them work grueling overnight shifts at meatpacking plants and uh all of the jobs Ryan that you just described, and then we have companies that will turn a ab- uh turn away and and as you said feign ignorance, but then when called down on it, will say something like some variation of well, it would be worse if you know we didn't uh bring it up or we'd rather that they work in a well regulated workplace which what are you doing? These are kids. the fact that they're in a workplace at all is a problem. And the best you can do is, you know, at least, like, Sunshine is the best. What the hell are you talking about? At at every level of this, there is zero concern for the children that are at the core of this. There's this collective attempt to slough off more responsibility onto some other layer because, well, frankly, the enormity of it is such that ultimately every single person there would just come to the realization that they are a citizen at the core of empire. And uh, the the last few weeks have proven how much Americans don't want to come to that conclusion, how much they resist it. Uh, they, they still don't want to think of themselves as a country that owns other countries. But it is. And we live here.
2: Yeah, um, I think it was Noah, or one of you said in the last segment about there's two classes of citizens going on. There's the... Uh, other classes. And then there's the underclasses that are are deliberately being hidden and sloughed off and put in these positions without support or um, escape. Uh, Like There's no escape because the the government agencies that should be protecting these children and should be providing services to get them out of bad situations where they're being forced to work uh, in farms and factories full-time Instead of going to school and being children, they're they're being forced into this and there's no way out for them. They don't know anybody here. They don't necessarily even speak English. Like, it, there's, there's nothing. And it's being done at a rate and a pace that means that one third of the children who have come unaccompanied across the borders have disappeared. There's no trace of them anymore. The government lost track of them. They lost these children and they're in our factories and they're uh, under false identities being made to work either to give money to their families back home or to the the people who brought them over here. Like it's hor- This is a horrible situation and it's heartbreaking.
1: There are a lot of things that have to go wrong for a society to get here to get to the point of unaccompanied foreign minors are working long hours in dangerous conditions the new york times article sort of paints the picture of these children are coming from families who you know might otherwise have all come into the united states together but our immigration enforcement regime is such that adults able-bodied adults are turned away. They are rejected, they are captured, detained, deported, sent away where you know they can't hurt anybody, so to speak, and not to be thought of again. So the children are sent. And the children are treated differently under our immigration regime. And it is then the children's responsibility to work these grueling jobs so that they might Scrape by something they can send back to their families in countries like Mexico and Guatemala and El Salvador. At any point along this line, simply making a humane decision about how we treat people, uh, people from other countries specifically, would have prevented it from getting to this stage. But Decade after decade, this country has chosen not to make that humane choice. It has chosen instead to ramp up the violence with which it polices its border and while at the same time clamoring for workers who come from elsewhere.
3: Yep. And by the way, just to put words to the speed at which... The ORR and uh, other programs like this are expected to turn around cases, to place children, to do all of this stuff. Uh, I I want this quote to follow Xavier Becerra, the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services. I want this to follow him around like he got it tattooed on his back, because this is what he said during a staff meeting, according to a recording obtained by the New York Times. If Henry Ford had seen this in his plants, he would have never become famous and rich. This is not the way you do an assembly line. And the article then goes on to mention that he has now threatened two successive heads of the agency with, if, uh, you can't, if you can't turn these cases around quickly enough, I will find someone who can. This is a man who I guarantee you right now still has aspirations of being president. And I, this should sink him. Because on on top of the incredible inhumanity of it, to associate yourself with a known anti-Semite in the year 2023 should be political suicide, but we live in hell. So, you know, instead that's the motivating factor for an entire party.
1: The assembly line he is referring to is the, like, cases of children coming into the DHS's care. It is not The assembly lines these children are actually working on that choice of metaphor is one wonders if he knows what he is saying if he grasps that the words coming out of his mouth are a picture of the situations he is creating and not a picture of his workplace
2: i i can only suspect that no he does not um because <laughs> to assume anything else would be to know that this person is profoundly evil, and I am going to give—I know it's hard to say—but give a member of uh, the government a morsel of doubt uh in this case. But yeah, just awful.
3: Yeah, this is this is such an awful thing that even people that normally I would consider complete scumbags, like the people that like the person that ran this office during, or I think was employed by the office, I don't remember if he ran it, during the Trump administration, or the head of a Homeland Security Investigations office, even they're breaking down crying when they remember the things that they've dealt with in their work. Like, when you've made cops weep for brown children, you have truly reached a new bottom of the barrel. You have punched through it.
1: I'm gonna quote some more from the article because my words don't feel good enough to capture any of this. Quote At Union High School in Grand Rapids, Carolina's ninth grade social studies teacher, Rick Angstman, has long has seen the toll that long shifts take on his students. One who was working nights at a commercial laundry began passing out in class from fatigue and was hospitalized twice, he said. Unable to stop working, she dropped out of school. Quote, she disappeared into oblivion, Mr. Angstman said. It's the new child labor. You're taking children from another country and putting them in almost indentured servitude.
3: I hate to say this, but it is the old child labor because this is what, yeah, this is not, it's a nitpick. But this is exactly what the U.S. always does this is what it did with irish and italian and chinese workers this is what it did with <laughs> this is what it did with africans and native americans before that the us its entire existence has been predicated on the labor of people quote unquote not from here which is very funny when it is a country entirely founded by people not from here
1: yeah again this is a situation where these companies will cry that there just aren't workers available to them, but that's a lie. If these were jobs that were willing to pay living wages or more humane wages, there'd be plenty of adults lining up to work these grueling jobs as there always have been in this country. You know, people work in factories and at meatpacking plants all the time, but these companies are unwilling to pay a fair wage for American labor and instead are taking exploited labor who they can pay less, who because they are under the table, they can pay less because they are vulnerable. They can pay less
3: and not just pay less. They can care less about when the inevitable happens, because this is, this is the part that this is a part that's, this is the part that's hardest to not run a fall of the FCC on. Because, quoting from the article, Unaccompanied minors have had their legs torn off in factories and their spines shattered on construction sites, but most of these injuries go uncounted. The Labor Department tracks the deaths of foreign-born child workers but no longer makes them public. Reviewing state and federal safety records and public reports, the Times found... A dozen cases of young migrant workers killed since 2017, the last year the Labor Department reported any, and you can guess why they stopped. The deaths include a 14-year-old food delivery worker who was hit by a car while on his bike at a Brooklyn intersection, a 16-year-old who was crushed under a 35-ton tractor scraper outside of Atlanta, and a 15-year-old who fell 50 feet from a roof in Alabama where he was laying down shingles. In 2021, Carla Campbell, a Nashville labor lawyer, helped a woman figure out how to transport the body of her 14-year-old grandson, who had been killed on a landscaping job, back to his village in Guatemala. It was the second child labor death she had handled that year.
1: It's, there's nothing that any of us can say in response to that that will do justice to the tremendous injustice that all of this is there's there's a detail in this article that seems almost trivial in comparison to what noah has just read out about children complaining that their lungs are burning from the dust of the flaming hot cheetos that they are being made to package for lack of anywhere else to go i'm gonna bring up now um, an article in the Washington Post, which uh, details company Packer Sanitation Services, Inc., which has paid a $1.5 million penalty for employing children as young as 13 in dangerous jobs at meat processing plants. $1.5 million.
3: Those those like early twentieth century laws strike again. For some reason, this is the only thing we don't adjust for inflation. Wonder why that might be.
2: (laughs) Yeah, good point.
1: Quoting from the article, an investigation found that children ages thirteen to seventeen had worked overnight shifts at thirteen meat processing plants in eight states, mostly in the South and the Midwest. The department said that the children had used hazardous chemicals to clean processing equipment, including back saws, brisket saws, and head splitters. Its investigators learned that at least three minors had been injured while working for the company, the department said. Under the Fair Labor Standards Act, Packers was fined $15,138 for each illegally employed child, the maximum civil monetary penalty allowed under federal law.
2: Yep, that's a cheap that's that's cheap. That's not fair. That's not right. And they just factor that into the cost. One point something million dollars is a drop in the bucket to the four hundred something million they made last year.
1: Fifteen thousand dollars may well be more than they are paying some of these children in right. a year. It is exactly. exactly. You it, could combine true. that to these children's salaries and not reach a respectable minimum wage.
3: We've said it before, but it has rarely been so stark that these companies are angry that they have to pay anyone, anything at all. They would go back to slave like. Well, they, they arguably, they're already doing slave labor, um, but they would go back to explicitly repealing the 13th Amendment tomorrow if they could in a heartbeat. And they do this because it is free of consequences, because this is a rounding error. For any of these companies, it doesn't matter if you hit hearthside with the maximum force of the law, I guarantee you right now, the fine is not enough to stop them from doing this again and again and again. And the thing about it is that not only is it consequence free, but it's also I I hesitate to call this intelligent because I want to think that part of intelligence is, you know, empathy and understanding. That's what the root of the word is in the first place but it's been very cunning of them to do this for things that we all engage in we all eat cereal and chips and snacks and uh all of these foods like that's why they they need people manning these plants in the first place and by instead putting children there uh they make us all complicit in the project whether we want to admit it or not and even if you manage To somehow avoid that, as it turns out, in a lot of cases, these companies are owned by private equity firms that are apparently invested in by retirement funds for for public employees. The people who may well be in charge of investigating these violations, their retirement is predicated partly on the companies murdering children. So there's – it's just – by the way, this is from an article in The Lever, March 10th, 2023, workers are funding private equities, child labor exploitation, Andrew Perez. The end result of all of this is that, like, again, it is fashionable to say, well, you know, no ethical consumption under capitalism. I it, it, There's – it's become fashionable to say, I can't control my individual choices, or I can't control what these companies do by myself. But that's supposed to be the point. We're supposed to collectivize to make these things happen. And maybe this is, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not seeing a concerted campaign for something like, I don't know, a Children's Bill of Rights. I'm not seeing a concerted campaign for... um organizing uh i I know that there are some happening locally and so on but there there isn't a whole lot of movement behind like organizing immigrants and and organizing you know protections for these kids and there's certainly no attempt to like increase penalties on these companies and so on from the democrats dear god there's maybe a couple representatives willing to stand up for these kids willing to push back on these companies And even they can't count on fully partisan support because a bunch of Democrats represent farm districts where their constituents are extremely vulnerable to some bad word who looks like Papio Daniel from A Brother Where Art Thou coming down the pike and saying some crap about, uh, you know, don't you want your kid to be able to, uh, you know, till some land with you? Isn't that the American dream? So it's a horror all the way down.
1: What I'm reminded by in this uh, story about how pension funds are tied up in these companies that are, you know, exploiting underage, well, again, child workers, is actually one of the very first episodes of Punching Out was about um, prison labor, and we discussed some, some form of bizarre rehab slash, you know, not really prison punishment in which people were enlisted to work in chicken processing plants for companies like Tyson. And that chicken goes on to every retailer you can imagine. It goes on to Popeyes and KFC. And I remember thinking and reading that article, sort of the click of this system makes tries its damnedest to make us all complicit it tries its damnedest to make sure that you know we all have blood on our hands because there's no way to avoid the product of a an ex- labor exploitation that pervades the system it as noah you put it there's no ethical consumption and it, becomes sort of hard mentally and morally to square that with one's idea of oneself as a good person you know how if and to some extent the system relies on people choosing not to square that choosing to say well i can't do anything there's nothing i can do to prevent any of this so I'm going to live my life and these companies are going to do what they're going to do. And, you know, I'll pretend it's not happening. I will turn a blind eye because the alternative is simply too unpleasant. And you can hardly blame people who come to that conclusion because the alternative is so damn unpleasant.
2: Yeah. And and on top of that, there's, there's an attitude that is very pervasive that any action that we take could potentially make things worse for the kids. Because there are so many teachers. I love that we have to say that the teachers are the ones with insight on this because they're the ones that actually deal with these children as humans and not just cogs. Uh, The teachers were saying, I don't know what to do because I feel that reporting it or doing anything could make the situation worse for these kids that are put in these really awful situations where they have to work in order to make their own rent, in order to pay off debt that they've incurred, um, 72 point air quotes, uh, or send money back to their family so that they can survive. It's, there's so many layers of impossible in this, and it's hard to know what to do, but I can say, What we are doing is wrong and we can't keep doing it.
1: It strikes me, again, the extent to which this is a problem of unequal enforcement, unequal enforcement, um, where we have a border that is so harshly policed, so strenuously. It is such a hotspot for rhetoric in our politics that, you know, we need to ramp up security at the border. We need to build this wall. We need to arm the border patrol. We need to X, Y, and Z in order to keep people out who are looking for something better than they can find in their home countries, because those countries for any number of historical reasons are simply not tenable for them to live in.
2: Mostly because of us, too.
1: Beyond that barbed wire fence border, there is the wild west of unpoliced labor law. There is underfunded enforcement. There is no real push to add penalties to the companies exploiting these workers. There is no real push to make harsher the punishment for, what's the company? Hearthfield? Hearthsmith? Smith Hearth? That's
3: Hearthside.
1: Hearthside. Um,
3: I wanted to jump in before you got to Hearthstone and got us in real trouble.
1: <laughs> That's where I started, and I knew that wasn't right. Because at some level, there's a unspoken understanding that without The ability to underpay child immigrant workers, these companies would, you know, the price of a meal would go up. The price of your grocery bill would go up. You know, inflation would happen even more somehow. The laws we choose not to be law and order about are incredibly telling.
3: Yeah. And I think in this case, and uh, you mentioned on the last episode that it's March. So now we find ways to insert baseball into every conversation. You want to talk about another exploitative, unpoliced child labor system. We could, we've could. we certainly discussed that one before. But in everything from the way that American Street uh, players in international competitions like the World Baseball Classic from the way that uh, – frankly, where I'm going with this is that the problem is on a cultural level – way too many americans still think of themselves as the untrammeled royalty of the western hemisphere we'll tolerate canada because they're because they're white but everything and maybe like argentina because they try to be a european country everything in between is just to a, to most americans is Brownland, it, It's full of people that are lucky if they come to America to work in the land of opportunity, in the home of the brave. That's what they're supposed to do. And instead what they find is exploitation and further misery and abuse at the hands of people and maybe occasionally well-meaning, guilty, um, indifference from a whole lot of others who as you said Ryan understandably have to somehow figure out a way to get up in the morning and look at themselves in the mirror knowing the country that they live in and for far too many americans that circle is is very easy to square as well you know what they live in one of those fill in whole countries so they deserve this they as if we choose where to be born as if we choose the the circumstances into which we come into this world um it's a weird uh a weird application of original sin by by choosing not to be born a white american it is your fault that you are treated as badly as you are and i do have to say we talked off air before we started this and said we didn't know if we would be able to find anything positive to say here but if there is I I don't think it's very big frankly but if there's anything that makes this less bleak is that I do think you have a generation of Americans who realize that this situation isn't just untenable but that it is at its heart wrong. Um, I think a lot of younger Americans do understand that about themselves and it's sad that it took this long for it to happen it's sad that it took multiple economic crashes to sort of flatten out the bottom of the economic ladder so that we were all much more in the crap together but if that's what it takes to make the to make a a sizable a critical mass of americans realize that this country exists on a mountain of blood and tears and sweat from literal kids and that that has to change I can't say it'll have been worth it because nothing it, that nothing is worth that nothing can be worth it in that way but at least it points to a way out
1: yeah Um For this week I'm Ryan
2: I'm Lou
3: I was Noah
1: and this was Punching Out
0: You've been listening to Punching Out You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo Email us your work stories, complaints and struggles to PunchingOutWayo at gmail.com Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.